0: Yes. <laughs> you are listening to Index Foundation Podcast. Hmm.
1: In June 2020, just as Stockholm was going into its midsummer slumber, Index Director Mark Dimanen and Artist and Kaibenein Institute Director Nathalie Gobelson met to record a conversation about the campaign, her artistic research project presented at Index. In her work, Goblison uses artistic practice to graft complex layers of criticality. The construction of the narrative voice, and the specific aesthetics of this voice, is an important carrier in this project. Some visual languages are received as more truthful than others, they are almost invisible in the way they are accepted as rigorous experience and knowledge. It's between the sender of this controlled aesthetics of language and the receiver, that a contract of veracity is established, providing a feeling of truth. In their conversation, Gobelson and Manen talk about the use of information, the visual aspects of veracity in reality, and how the collaboration between the two institutions, index and kaiberine, created a new position for the slipperiness of the artistic voice. Really?
2: I think so. Yes,
0: let's do it. Let's start. <coughs> okay, so we will talk about uh, the campaign now. And uh, my first question is related to to the process behind this 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 project. You have been working with this project for a long period of time, together with a researcher and a designer. How it has been for you?
2: Well, I think it has been a quite It has been a very creative collaboration and a super interesting experience for me, where I also felt like we were starting to shape an institutional practice that was comprehensive. So to me it was important to form a group where our different knowledges complement and overlap each other. So this has always been a goal for me to develop a practice that is complex and involves different positions and knowledges, and that has the potential of growing. It has also been an interesting experience for me to see how powerful a collaboration like this could be. But my vision of how I wanted to form this project was incredibly challenging since neither of us had the experience of transforming this large amount of information into a visual representation. And we didn't really know if it was possible to find a structure that could be transformed into something more logical and where we emphasized the strategies rather than just the representation of networks. This was also difficult because of the nature of the project and the nature of the information, which was a mix of different types of facts. And it was interesting to see when I and my co-researcher Peter Skjeld were meeting people we wanted to collaborate with. Uh, We discovered that it was difficult for us to explain the complexity of the campaign for someone who didn't have all the facts and that we um, had to work together for a long period of time uh, for them to see how everything was connected. So for me it became super important that the map would transform this large amount of information and making it into a pedagogical tool and a model where we can see how the organizations operate, see all the connections and understand the impact of it. And another challenge was to make the short summary text from this large amount of information that are correct and that has an objective tone and not perceived as it is based on feelings or you know shallow opinions. Um, So for me it was important to construct an exhibition that can communicate across political positions, both right-wing and left-wing, and move beyond that to a much larger question about how power structures are formed and how it affects the very foundation of democracy
0: yeah and i think it's super clear at the exhibition the way you are dealing with information it's it's information it's there but it has a sort of uh, physicality Mm. because it's not just a a text or something more you can feel that this material is coming to you as a visitor Mm.
2: yeah i mean information is key in this project since it's the only way to unravel statements that are made about the paradigm shift Um, why the welfare state didn't work and those kind of statements, and to make something invisible visible in our political history. The narrative voice we can follow through the exhibition suggests how we can understand the strategies that lay behind the campaign and how it operates within our democratic systems. But I also wanted to make the information accessible or transparent for those who felt doubt or disbelief of this narrative voice. To construct a narrative voice, I studied, for example, how museums present historical events, the language they use, what make visible what they make visible in the in the exhibition and not. To me, I mean it was important to not use props of propaganda material, but instead focus on the strategic work. And I mean propaganda is always visible. Um, And people know about it and can understand it without even seeing it. But the strategies aren't visible. This is the whole point and why it becomes relevant. But at the same time, the narrative voice that tells you how to think and understand this historical event puts me in in an authorian position. And also because I create a model of how uh, how everything is connected. It's like I'm telling you how the world is, uh, operates, so to speak. <laughs> so in the map, I wanted to create this feeling that the visitor can themselves put together the bits and pieces. But at the same time, everything in the exhibition are trying to push you in a certain direction. And in that sense, the exhibition becomes uh, manipulative. And you are drawn into a narrative and the exhibition is trying to convince you. And I think this puts the visitor in in an interesting position. But it has also been interesting to see that even though a lot of facts is presented in the exhibition, people still have a hard time believing that it's true, uh, that this is what happened. Even though everything that is presented in the exhibition is information that we all can access, a lot comes from the organizations themselves. Some people say that if this is true, then it's obvious that we have been fooled. So the exhibition is challenging, also because no one has put together all the pieces like we do in this project, and in a way that visualizes the strategies and the agenda. But I think this shows how much this topic has to do with psychology. What people want to believe in, that we choose a depiction of reality that feels more truthful to us instead of looking at facts. So there is a connection between image and information that are in play here, Uh, but it's not an illustration of information, it's a document and it's communication. I also thought it was interesting to bring the position of Grassmann as whistleblower into the work, since he was the one who, through economic facts, understood that there was something much larger going on than that we wanted to see.
0: Yeah, and with him we have a <laughs> voice, we have a, a, an individual, a character, a, a subject that is uh, offering his own point of view mm. of the material, of the, the historical facts mm. and all the construction of uh, a social, a national, a political economy. Uh, so he's one voice, and mm. there's something that is also interesting here is that we have this seven-meter-long, map with information it's an incredible amount of information and, and you were talking about the narrative and the, and the meta-construction of narratives and it's something that also all the visitors can do here. So, mm-hmm. so we have like m- multiple uh, m- m- possible narratives that can be built, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's something also related to to the power of using um, facts and how, how um, with facts or the lack of facts also mm-hmm. uh, you can construct uh, an idea of of uh, reality. We talk a lot about veracity here, who has the right to do it, but suddenly here, uh, you as a visitor, uh, you can do your links between the pieces of information.
2: Mm. Yes, and the map is constructed in layers, so where the visitor can, from a distance, see a structure of a system that has a specific agenda and intention. And when you zoom in, you can see all the connections, the people involved, the institutions and their practices within the system. And as a reader, you move between these different layers. And you can take part of the overall system simultaneously as you read about how every institute has a specific role within this context. So it was important to construct a a map in this way uh, so that it can be used as a pedagogical tool. But I'm not saying that it's easy <laughs> in any way. It's very complex and it's a complex matter. And I think also that's how the project needs to be presented.
0: And there's like to go to the details. For example, I really like the fact that uh, Pislingen, the, the first privatized uh, kindergarten, uh, has a quite visible position at the map, while the government is not one of the main figures. Mm we were talking about it uh, about how the how to, const- how to construct a system that understands the government as a piece not as the piece mm-hmm.
2: mm. yes exactly there was you could say there was a shift in who formulated the visions and ideas about society the new strategy for the campaign was to create an extensive organizational structure that would produce new facts and a new depiction of reality that would influence the public opinion, which then would force the uh, political institutions to adopt this new depiction of reality. And before this campaign, it was rather the opposite. Then it was the political institutions and the politicians that formulated the visions. And the map is showing us how each institutions, from think tanks to government, played a specific role in this campaign. And as you mentioned, Pisslingen or the pixie (laughs) is a concept for kindergarten. And it's an interesting example of how they creatively created concepts as part of the campaign uh, that would illustrate what they were aiming for. In this case to privatize public sector. And look where we are today. (laughs) They kept the pixie alive, even though they needed to fund it without being able to get any profit. So they didn't really play the rules of the market, which they so strongly believe in, um, which is a bit ironic in this context. And it's quite remarkable uh, that an ideological and political think tank starts a preschool. I mean, that's not really what they normally do, and. Also, how many people know that the Pixie or Pisslingen was started by an ideological organization? And clearly, they haven't been very transparent and open about this. And there is also um, another similar concept they developed, um, which is called young entrepreneurship. A program for young students in high school who should learn about the role of business in society and how to start a company and they really succeeded I mean today this program is part of the curriculum at all public schools and another thing when I started to grasp all the layers of the campaign of how the work of the organizations in different ways affected politics, it became clear that I didn't want to frame the project and the investigation within a specific political conflict that was taking place during this time, but instead looking at and emphasize how they established a parallel system and how it operates. Because if you focus too much on the political conflict that were taking place in the public, you immediately erase the potential of seeing the power structures and and the fact that most of these conflicts and debates and demonstrations were staged and a part of the campaign strategy so we have to look at the whole picture and the areas that is not in the public eye to understand how it works to understand its proportions and long-term strategies and uh, influence
0: yeah uh, now I'm going to jump to another thing we're ending this this uh, dialogue uh, but it's something that I really would love to talk with you that is this uh, institi- institutional dance because the exhibition is with you with Natalie uh, but also with the Cabernet Institute mm. and the Cabernet Institute it's, it's a a structure that has an institutional language uh, that is presented at the exhibition as well, it's part of the exhibition and uh, and it has been also this dialogue between INDEX, that is an institutional structure, and the Kavernine, that is this other one that arrives here, and now we have to adapt our way of working, because suddenly, when we work here we are not just one institution, but two. Mm. And it uh, it affects the, the type of uh, yeah the type of uh, language that we are using and I think that it has been something really interesting to, to grow with this process, at least for us, you know, to see to see this need to, to have this uh, institutional dialogue at the same time that we have a dialogue with you as an artist.
2: Mm. Well, I think to put it as an institutional dance is uh, super nice. And it has been interesting to negotiate the space so that our institutional practices can coexist um, parallel to each other. And also to address that index institutional practice is also producing narratives not only about art um, but also who you are in a wider context and when I was developing the platform 9 Institute I've been thinking of it as a satellite knowing that art and culture is my home base but at the same time being on a mission to distance myself to from this position to discover the world from another perspective. So the way I look at Kyber is not through the lens of fiction, but rather thinking of it as a construction which has a structure and that are creating a position with an agency in the world. And this is what I'm interested in as an artist, the performativity that an institution that an institution has within a social and political context and what narratives they produce. I'm also interested in what roles different types of institutions have within society and what effect these different institutional constructions have on society. Um, And to frame my artistic research as a part of an institute is also an act of creating And trying to build credibility. To say that I founded an institute means something. um, It also makes it possible for me to communicate on different levels, to be able to distribute my research through many different formats. So it's like creating a second body for my practice that can have a different tone and narrative voice. Um, it also gives me the position of actually telling you why something is relevant and important. It's a framework for communication, uh, communicating knowledge and uh, ideas. And at the same time, it's manipulative and it's powerful. I'm telling you how you should understand my practice. <laughs> uh, what is important and not. Um, It is a way to be in control of the the narrative production. I think people can misread my practice when thinking that I want to hide behind an institution or make myself invisible, but it's rather the opposite. Instead I think it creates a layer of visibility, yet I'm a part of producing that image. So, strategic communication, how we control narratives, is something that I've been interested in and that also reflects on my investigations. And with this project, I've been looking at how a network of strategic institutions that is built by business sector create impact, what strategies they use and what narratives they produce. And I just want to mention also that there's another interesting layer here where index is not just presenting an artist and, and an, an artistic practice, but you also become a part of distributing a certain narrative, which is orchestrated by Kaibenhain Institute. And this is something I find really interesting. Uh, how the art institution is inhabited not just with a conceptual art work but also with another narrative production but at the same time i mean index institutional narrative is also changing the perception of kyber institute and my practice
0: yes this is the institutional dance <laughs> And we have seen it here with uh, also on a, on a practical level. If uh, if you want to visualize the exhibition, you enter the door at the INDEX, in your uh, left hand there's a vinyl text talking about INDEX, it's the, the welcoming text about the institution, then you take the stairs up, and suddenly you find a new vinyl text from the Kavanagh Institute, talking about the institute and, and and what's uh, this institute doing. So you have two institutions saying, welcome to you. Then you have a handout with two texts, the index version and the carbonite version of, uh, of the exhibition that you are going to visit. And then you have a, a poster that is exhibitional uh, text from index. You enter the exhibition space, then the white uh, uh, cube in the white cube, and then you find another text that suddenly this text is an artwork. Here, in our working space, we also have uh, an information, info, information from, from the Cabernet Institute. So when we are working here, we are, as I said, not just index, we are two institutions. What makes a sort of, of interesting cacophony in our minds? And it's something that it has been with us all the time with this exhibition. I just want to say uh, thank you, Natalie, for, for this time, for this experience, and also to, to, to be able to follow you in, in, in this uh, long process.
2: Mm -hmm. Thank you.